Hey everyone, it's here, it's happening. DF Direct Weekly number 89. Um, packed show today, lots to talk about. A massive game that we've been hugely anticipating is finally in our hands and we're finally able to talk about it. Um, joined by the usual panel this week, first of all, John Linnerman. Hey Rich, how's it going? Good to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Good. And uh, Alex Battaglia, a chastened yep. and bowed Alex Battaglia. Yeah, it's another one of those weeks. Punished Battaglia. Punished Natalia. <laughs> okay, let's kick off with our first news topic. Okay, so literally as we record this, the embargo has just lifted on the Callisto Protocol. It's a, a sci-fi horror game that we've been massively excited by over the months. And uh, John's video will have gone live by the time that uh, you watch this direct. Huge amount to discuss here. Uh, John, I'm going to go straight to you on this one because, uh, well, there's there's two there's two stories here, right? Isn't there? Yeah. There's the story of the game and the um, quality of the game, which is uh, exceptional, I would say. And then there's the issues that we've got with every version of the game other than the PlayStation 5 version. <laughs> which do you want to tackle first? Let's let's start with the with the hardware situation, I think, and then we'll talk. I want to talk. I'll talk about the game after that. Uh, so yeah, this this is one of the strangest releases we've had yet, right? It came in last week. Uh, the first the first red flag is that the version released for reviewers, maybe not a red flag, but it was essentially PlayStation Five and then Xbox Series S and X. Uh, no last gen versions were included. So we yeah. couldn't test those. We've those literally still not seen them at this point. Yeah, I've seen some impressions, which uh, kind of suggests that what we were anticipating has come to pass, but we'll have to check it out ourselves. So we have those versions. I spent the first day playing through the PS5 version and, you know, several hours of it. And I walked away very impressed. Uh, it is absolutely packed with beautiful visual work, uh, makes extensive use of ray tracing, uh, and I'm, I love the gameplay, which we'll talk about. Uh, so it made a very strong first impression, very polished, beautiful animation work. It just, the whole thing felt great. And then I was like, well, let's see how it is on Xbox. So I actually started with series S cause I was curious to see how that fared. And I wasn't too surprised by some of the cuts, but they did seem a little more significant than usual. You know, the, the, the resolution was of course lower, but there was no performance mode, so it's 30 FPS only. It was also dipping below 30 FPS quite a bit. And uh, the textures were like a quarter resolution of of the PS5 version. Uh, it was missing things like subsurface scattering on the skin. Uh, some of the materials just looked weird and wrong. Uh, there was just a lot of weird visual issues with it. And it's like, well, it's not great. It does feel like Series S owners are probably getting shortchanged here, but you know, it's Series S. So it's not that unexpected, right? We've seen this stuff time and again. Uh, but it's the Series X version. This is the one that's absolutely baffling to me. I think I, I sent you guys my initial results right away because I was just like, wait, what's going on here? Because uh, it was running very, very, very poorly. Like the initial test version last week before it's, before patches, it's pretty much like in the between 15 and 25 frames per second in the quality mode. And it was consistently there. Like you saw the video, right? Yeah, I was reminded. I mean, if you'd um, turned off the footage in the uh, in that video and just had the performance grid, I think we were looking at a PS3 game. 
Yeah, it does. It, I was getting some PS triple nostalgia from from this test. It, <laughs> it reminded me of that a lot, actually. Uh, so that was bizarre. Uh, we actually alerted the developer to this as well because I was like, okay, this is this is seriously messed up because at this point it was mostly a solid thirty on PS five and quality mode and you know reasonably solid sixty as well. You know, each had a little bit of dips here and there, but nothing major. But Xbox was like. You know, even in an empty room, we're talking like 25 FPS, uh, which is bad. But then I also noticed the ray trace reflections aren't working. So that's one of the one of the key visual features, right? They have the shadows, they have reflections, and they have what we now know is called transmission, which basically is applied to like the flesh and fleshy bits used on enemies and some of the scenery you know allowing like the veins and other interior interior organs to sort of like interact correctly with the surface and it's it's cool looking uh but no rt reflections i think alex you could agree based on the stuff we've seen that the game is pretty much feels like it was designed to have ray traced reflections like all the material choices because they're so reflective right yeah, it definitely looks like it was designed around all the ray tracing features the game has. Uh, for example, in the opening beginning of the game, there's a mirror, and if you go to it in the uh, ray trace off mode on, or ray trace off on PC, there's just like a hole in the wall where SSR can't do anything because it's a mirror. And, you know, there's like other things that I think your video showed off really well, John, like the fact that like there's just like shadows missing in places if you don't have yeah. ray trace reflections, uh, ray trace shadows on. So, yeah. Yeah, which definitely was. Thankfully, the the Series X does have the ray traced shadows, but it's the lack <laughs> of reflections that really stood out. And I think the biggest problem for me there is that when using SSR, like they still apply ref- reflections to all the surfaces. They behave physically, you know, in a physically probable manner, but the reflection source is in screen space, which means you're just getting disocclusion artifacts everywhere. Like every time you turn the camera, you're seeing stuff appear and disappear from the reflection data. And because there's so many reflections, it ends up looking not great. Uh, But, you know, when they are in use, the thing that impressed me a lot was that they have the roughness cutoff setting of very, very low. So even highly diffuse material like the cement walls and such actually show they reflect the surroundings in a very diffuse manner. Uh, which is very rare to see on consoles. I mean, it's a little you can see it's a little noisy from the denoiser, you know. Uh, but it's still, I think it looks great. And the fact that it's not an Xbox is strange. Yeah. And we never really got an explanation for that. <laughs> silence. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's, 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 no, there's no explanation because, you so, know, fundamentally, the, the takeaway from this generation so far has been that Xbox has a silicon advantage that only sparingly actually manifests in any games in terms of extra features or performance. Uh, PS5 can actually outperform Series X in many games, but it's very rare that we actually see (laughs) features missing from one or the other versions of the game because they are fundamentally built on very, very similar uh, silicon, right? It's the same architecture. Um, So I don't see any realistic plausible reason why these features should be on one and not the other um it seems like a mistake to me like i would i would imagine this would be patched but it's hard to say because so they they did patch the game several times and by by launch day the xbox performance was dramatically improved 
still worse than PS5 overall, but it's not in not where it was. Right? Well, that's the other thing, right, John? Because um, RT reflections have a certain cost on the GPU, certainly on an RDNA2 GPU. Oh, yeah. These are not insignificant effects. So the concept that those effects are not running on Xbox, and even so, it can run slower than <laughs> yeah. PlayStation 5, something is uh, kind of weird. Yes, amiss, weird, wacky, crazy. It shouldn't be happening. Uh, the thing is, obviously, you know, you spotting the fact that RT reflections aren't there was, again, feedback that you fed back to the developer. So it's not as if there's a, you know, it's not, I don't think you can not see it if you're working on the game. So obviously this has happened for some kind of reason, but we haven't had any comment as to why. All we can hope is that, first of all, the Xbox version gets a bit more attention put into it to bring it level in features at least. And certainly in terms of performance, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. And yeah, um, exactly. Unreal Engine, again, you know, it's not as if Unreal Engine has really demonstrated any preference for one system over the other uh, in all no. of the testing we've done. And the thing about it, though, is that it, it is, when it's working right on PS5 at least, it's a really stunning game to the point where I'm actually surprised and we haven't seen them yet. I'm surprised that they are shipping last gen versions of the game. I mean, I suppose it's for sales, of course, uh, due to the large install base there, but, uh, ultimately it's, it's just be kind a of wild. It's, one. It's, it's just gotta be serviceable on the base PS4 because there's so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, may, maybe it's totally fine in there, but we don't yet know what they're going to cut, what it's going to run like, we're hearing that loading can be quite long in comparison, whereas it's very short on all these machines. So there was a lot of confusion initially during those days. It, it did improve, but still unex, unexpected. But then, That's the other takeaway, right, John? That yeah. uh, when the review code arrived, PS5 was fine, absolutely fine. Didn't, you know, didn't yeah. really need any patches, although the patches came in. Uh, play, uh, so PlayStation sorted Xbox... Um, clearly wasn't really ready to be reviewed um exactly so yeah that that's kind of problematic and again you know anybody doing platform comparisons out there if if your footage is based on uh pre-day zero patch it's not representative of the game It, it will look a lot worse than it does on xbox i suppose that the one takeaway is that if you want the 60 fps mode you're not interested in the rt stuff uh that's pretty it's, it's okay on a Series X, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, they're very comparable in that mode specifically. Uh, there are dips here and there into the 50s for certain scenes. It's not always clear why, but by and large, it's pretty close to 60 FPS most of the time. And if you have VRR, like it basically looks flawless. Uh, again, though, I haven't played as far into the Xbox version, so it's possible that some of the later scenes, which definitely seem more demanding, could have an issue. But from what I've seen of the first hour or so on Xbox, the 60 FPS mode is quite good. Well, that's it's the other thing. When the, the patches came mode. through, they told you to delete your save. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was another thing. The, the, the notes in there said, like, if it doesn't fix the issue, uh, delete your save. And sure enough, deleting my save did actually work, just as they said. It did improve things, but it didn't fix all the issues, and I had to replay through stuff again. Yeah, uh, which so I don't mind because I'm enjoying the game. It's really difficult to draw conclusions about what's going on at the developer, um, but we can only, you know, within the last sort of final hours of game development. But all we can really say is that PlayStation Five was, um, you had about a week with it, right? It was yeah. 
great from the get-go. Xbox improved during that week, but still isn't quite where it needs to be. And um, and then we got PC literally yesterday, I think, or the day no, it before. it was uh, Tuesday. It was Tuesday that it came in. And, uh, um, yeah, so, the, I mean, if people are wondering why Alex is sitting there depressed beyond tablets. Yeah, Rich, I'm just uh, pretty depressed about this. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely, totally checked out. Um, the... Just the one thing I want to preface this with is that I've been worried about this happening for months. Uh, I'd written multiple times on Twitter and on Fora across the web that I was pretty worried about this game having shader compilation stutter because the pre-release footage uh, appeared to have it. And also, uh, it's kind of the thing that I'm talking about this year a whole bunch, last 1.5 years, whatever. Uh, so I warned everyone that this was probably going to be the case. And it turns out it is the case. But let's talk a bit about uh, what we got. So we got that uh, review code uh, on Tuesday. And it's, um, yeah, we got it. uh, So a bit before launch, uh, it's pretty hot coming in. And the immediate impression uh, when you get in the game is that it's completely broken due to the shader compilation stutter that is happening just in time uh, whenever something is shown on screen, something new. And it is so incessant and so large uh, just in the game's opening 30 minutes. And I only played uh, about an hour into the game and it was still happening with large uh, shader compilation times, uh, big stutters as a result. And like the thing you just got to point out is that like it absolutely just ruins the mood here with this game and i'm at a i'm at a like a crossroads kind of right now where i don't actually know how to review games on pc anymore um because for any unreal engine title and it feels like every single unreal engine title i've touched in the last one and a half years at least has had this issue there's none that i can even recall off the top of my head that haven't had it so yeah, that's that that's like the feeling I get right now. And I don't know what to do about it because uh I'm constantly talking about it in the, the review process. Um it's like the only thing I talk about, it feels like. I can't I, I can't spend the time to review the game in a normal way, any game that has this in a normal way, because it is the most pressing issue. Things like optimized settings or console comparisons just don't even matter if the game is fundamentally broken on PC. Like, who cares? I don't care at that point. And it's also making me really apathetic um, towards this whole uh, review process. And it's making my life very unenjoyable. <laughs> it's so sad to say this. Um, but this is kind of like what I'm monologuing about. And I feel like I've monologued about this so many times before. Um, but it's like reached ahead. Um and if they do eventually fix this um, with patches, which is totally doable um, from from like just pure development perspective, it should be doable. Um, I don't want to see a half solution. I don't want there to be any shader compilation stutters here. Seriously, if I see any at all, I will still consider it unfinished because um, the issue is so prevalent that the idea should be that the fix that should exist needs to be utterly complete uh, for this to be considered actually fixed, in my opinion, because it was the thing that uh, kind of ruined the game and it needs to be the thing that is no longer an issue at all. Uh, And that's how I view it for any kind of shader compilation thing. 
That's going to happen in the future. I literally don't want to see any uh, shader compilation stutters in any games anymore. Um, uh, I will not give good reviews to games that have shader compilation stutters. And yeah, that's just kind of the way it is at this moment. It's really sad. It's not at all what I wanted uh, for this situation, but it is the way it is right now. I just keep thinking back to your wonderful video on Metro Exodus when it came out and all the love you poured into showing the visuals. And that's that's fun content to make. And it just feels like that's not possible anymore on the PC space. No, no, John. Uh, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, this is kind of the thing that I've been talking about. It's the only thing that I'm talking about. That's why... I, I'm monologuing like this. Um, you know, I, I talked about this at Elden Ring at launch. It's not just Unreal Engine titles technically, but it is actually uh, primarily Unreal Engine titles. And it's really hard to know what to do about this anymore. Like I just said, like our like the review process is completely broken if the, the games that are being shipped are completely broken uh, because I'm not covering, like, do I cover the game at launch when it's broken? Do I wait till they fixed it in X amount of patches later on? Um, like, I have to eventually move on because I'll, if I'm spending all this time just covering a game that's broken over multiple patches, it's pretty unfair to other developers where I have a limited set of time and I have to somehow, you know, I have to cover other games. If not, I'm just going to be constantly covering the broken ones and recovering them. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That's not the life that I want to lead as a reviewer. I want to um, cover games that are complete at launch and uh, maybe have some issues that are fixed later on, but not games that are broken at launch and I'm constantly rechecking them. That's why Elden Ring was also kind of a pain for me. Uh, because it was broken in the review process, still not right at launch. And um, should I give, be giving my time out to constantly recovering a broken game? Or should I be more fair to other developers and use that time to cover games that we wouldn't have covered otherwise? And I'd rather be doing that, honestly. So, yeah, this is just a situation that makes me really sad. Yeah. That's actually why the video is coming out later today instead of at embargo is because we all wanted to wait to see, okay, is this stuff actually fixed at launch? And well, you know, I tested Xbox again, same problem. You tested PC, mostly the same problems. Uh, and I think we have to get the word out there as fast as possible on this stuff. So, well, that, you, know, you know, I've been thinking about this, Alex, and I think you need to produce a manifesto of, <laughs> of the, best the practices for technical yeah. QA for PC titles at this point, because it's not just, you know, the, the, obviously the the stutter is rendering the game essentially unplayable. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, before I go on to the manifesto, John, I noticed uh, you posted some impressions on Twitter of uh, uh, the new need for speed. Yeah. And, you know, saying it ran pretty well. And somebody piped up saying, well, great, it runs on your PC that's got three and a half thousand dollars worth of kit. <laughs> uh, but the point is that uh, the shader compilation stutter, it doesn't matter. I mean, as Alex has yes. demonstrated with a 12900K and a 4090, it doesn't matter how expensive. You can't buy your way out of this problem. This is a basic technical issue that the developer has to sort out. So, yeah, I think, these, you know, going back to the manifesto, it's like, what do we want from a PC game? What is the basic technical criteria for competence? It's literally that bad at the moment. 
the what is the criteria for competence and the callisto protocol uh, has a couple of issues based on your comments that i no- noted down alex obviously there's the shader compilation stuff but then there's this whole thing um, which only a few PC titles do, but when it does happen, it's it's ridiculous. The con the concept that changing a setting requires oh. you to reset the game. Oh. It makes tweak it makes actually uh, tweaking the experience impossible, basically. Yeah, Rich, that is actually not uh, the only problem. Uh, like you were saying, like uh, so in this game when you get into it there's there's definitely options you can tweak and it seems like there's quite a few uh they're nested really poorly in the menu like each setting group has its own sub menu which makes tweaking um even outside the game not too great and there's like an apply button that you have to hit like and hold for a while like these are all like not very good ui decisions uh but the worst ui decision is of course the one that makes the game in my humble opinion pretty untweakable is uh, that when you are in game, the only option that you can seemingly change is resolution and some stuff like regarding like monitor sRGB type and maybe HDR, uh, but nothing that actually affects performance other than um, the uh, the resolution. So that that's a pretty big issue. And yeah, I mean, I can't actually even remember the last time I saw this in a game. It's so rare to see um, because it makes the game really untweakable. Like it's only meant for people like me. I, I'm the one of the few people on earth that actually can tweak a game if it has this because I can sync the time into it uh, for a video, even though I don't want to. I really don't want to. Uh, like I find it really user hostile um but yeah that's the way it is and like okay so that's that's one other problem uh maybe it's been in other games before that you can't tweak settings i actually can't remember it's been a while um but um yeah so that's the way it is um but another issue that the game has uh that it seems this is an unreal engine issue and it's probably related to whatever they did behind the scenes in developing this game is that the game doesn't seem to or unreal engine titles in general quite honestly don't seem to scale on anything more than like six threads six maybe eight threads and those threads that it is that it that the game is using are not like saturated fully there's like one or two threads that are pretty saturated and then the rest aren't so you could be sitting really cpu limited in the game like i showed in the video like on a ryzen 5 3600 at like just above 60 fps with rt off but then you look at your core utilization and you see that um you know only two cores are really being used the rest are kind of just like floating and i've seen something there that I rarely ever see in any other title on the Ryzen 5 3600, usually which is like being super taxed in like a lot of good custom third-party engines that aren't Unreal, um, like I've shown in videos before, is that in this game, I actually see course parking and uh, downclocking fully to just 3600 megahertz, which I rarely ever see, even though I'm being CPU limited, you know? Uh, so that kind of shows that regardless of the situation with the shader compilation stutter, that there are some uh, pretty big issues here. Um, you're not going to get great CPU performance in this game. And I think that's why we saw a couple of posts online uh, about people changing FSR settings or changing resolution and not seeing performance increases. I would imagine that's maybe some of that's menu bugs with the setting not applying. Uh, but another aspect could be people are CPU limited. 
and uh, they're just not going to see great upticks in performance. And one thing I want to comment on that I wouldn't have commented on before, but I, immediately after the video was posted and launched, someone's like, did you try running the game DX11? And I never... Okay, in this case, I do not consider running a game in DX11 any so sort of fix because it reduces the graphical options available to you. If you have a ray tracing card, Writing the game DX11 means you can't run ray tracing. So you're playing an incomplete version of the game based upon your PC, and that is not a fix. And secondly, due to the fact that this game is already so CPU overburdened, DX11 is actually, in terms of raw CPU performance, going to run worse. Uh, and that is not an alternative that I find at all reasonable. The game should just be fixed. Alex, I'm, I'm genuinely worried for Unreal Engine 5 games at this point. We know yeah. that it does, it can exhibit many of these same problems, and I feel like I don't know how you solve this because well that's fine there are features that they're adding to the I know engine. that's the that's the thing though but there's still the developers themselves have to do a lot of legwork a lot of the most successful attempts at sidestepping these issues involve basically limiting shader permutations and a lot of this stuff requires the tech art team and and the artists to basically be on board from the beginning and not go too crazy with that stuff because when you you know within Unreal Engine itself, it's so easy to just make permutations of anything you want all all day long. You can just go nuts. It's like oh, I want this to be a little different. I'll just I'll just you know drag and drop this this here in the blueprint, and bam, we got some new material or new effect or you know there's so much of that. It makes it so easy to do from an art perspective, but it it's so rough when it comes to to performance, especially with this compilation issue. So like uh. You know, Epic, I think, can do a lot to help with this, but I don't think Epic alone can solve this because it's not like, I mean, Unreal Engine is extremely flexible for a reason, right? But it requires, you know, good practices from the development side as well. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah well, it's like every single time we stop a sentence here, it's just like silence because we're, we're still kind of aghast that this happened a little bit. I, well, I, the, the reason... <sighs> quite rightly why you're aghast is because you cannot not see it yeah you cannot have and you cannot power past it you can't come up with the excuse that okay the uh, qa team were running 4090s or whatever likely they weren't first of all and secondly even if they were it wouldn't help doesn't matter yeah yeah it's it's incredible it's remarkably um how this is considered okay to ship it's not That's okay a, to ship. That was indeed my point when posting about Need for Speed was that, yes, it's a powerful machine, but uh, that doesn't mean anything with a lot of these PC ports. You can't power through it. Not yeah. these days, no. No, no. It's, it's Need for Speed, remarkable. by the way, is actually a, a solid port. I, I don't know how it scales on lower-end hardware, but on this system, it's just, it runs like an absolute dream. There's zero stuttering in my case. It just, it loads quick. It runs like perfectly it looks beautiful i i actually i like it a lot so so far so i'm really impressed with that's really good done. to hear that's great to hear okay anything more about the callisto protocol i mean because the, the, what's happened here is the inverse of your video john where basically you spent like 25 minutes talking about how great the game is but then sort of bemoaning uh, the ports we've spent 25 minutes bemoaning the ports about now we can maybe talk about the game itself just quickly. yeah yeah anything so I, to add to your to i your do video? want to talk about this a little bit because the reviews came out and they're quite all over the place and some of them are exceptionally low which kind of takes me back to the old alien isolation 
super low score and IGN situation. And games like this, I think, are really tough to score because there's definitely going to be... It's not going to work for everyone. Some of the decisions they made, I think, make this game... So I've described this as well. One of the key words used to describe God of War, Ragnarok, during development, they they really mentioned this a lot, was it's a frictionless experience. It's a game that's designed, and maybe this is the way to do it. I don't know, but it is. It's not... I don't think every game needs to be this, but it's a game that you can play through and the game is always ensuring that players don't get stuck or have too much trouble. All the edges are smoothed off just enough to make sure that you're just always making forward progress, right? And there's nothing tricky about it as a result. Every puzzle is basically solved for you before you even solve it. Uh, you know, the combat loop never gets that brutal. You you never don't know where to go. It always tells you exactly where to go next. And a lot of games are like this these days. Uh there are ways to do this in a way that appeals to everyone, like where you go in the opposite direction. Like I think Elden Ring is a good example. And one of the reasons I love that game is that it doesn't really guide you, but people found it super compelling. Nonetheless, the Callisto protocol though, it's not an open-ended game, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a good level of linearity that I kind of miss these days. It reminds me in a sense of doom three, which is a game I'm a huge fan of in that, you have a series of different areas and you kind of, you're always moving forward, but each area you spend some time in, you're not explicitly told what to do or where to go. You have an idea of where to go and you'll, you'll see like, oh, I need to get through this door or I need to do this thing. But the game isn't like, oh, go do this thing. Here's an arrow. This is the thing you must do. So you actually have to explore, find supplies and deal with enemies that are often challenging. And that's, the other part is that the game is really hard, like shockingly difficult at times. Uh, and that does not appeal to everyone. And it's it's difficult in a way that's a little different from like a Dark Souls where the enemies are extremely aggressive and they often swarm the player. And it's very easy to feel like you're helpless and you're just getting surrounded and you can't do it. But every single time it's happened, when I've just simply stepped back and rethink what I'm doing in that specific scene. I'm always finding interesting ways to get out of it. And like, for instance, is the GRP. It's like this uh, zero gravity glove that you can grab objects or enemies and fling them around the world. And that is a huge lifesaver. Like uh, an example is this one hallway in like the psych ward. I'm going through it, two enemies, you know, I'm sloppy with my attacks. I take a couple hits. I kill them. I go forward. There's more enemies. My life is already low. Uh, I'm too close to them because I was running forward too fast. They just decimate me. And I'm like, well, that's annoying. Try it again. Second time I realize, okay, well, there's actually these explosive containers over here. Uh, as soon as there's also like, uh, you hear the enemies coming. So I back up, they come out. I grab one with the zero gravity. I use a heavy attack, knock him down. Then I lean over, pick up the container using the gravity thing, shoot it at the distant enemy that's still far away. He blows up and he's dead. Then I go running back over to the guy. I knock him down, shoot him in the head, and then you stomp him. And then you get that an item from them from that. I lost no health doing that. And then you rush forward. And again, it's, you know, I, I have one of the weapons at ready, made sure it was loaded. Uh, it's just about using what's in your immediate vicinity. And sometimes it's not always obvious, but it's, it's usually interesting. I mean, sometimes even so simple as like, 
oh, there's too many guys in this area, but there's also this railing here that drops down to like a lower level. What if I just pick up the enemy and throw them off the ledge? You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah. you can do that. They let you do that. So it's fairly freeform. And the dodging is kind of weird because it doesn't have like specific timing windows. You just kind of hold left or right. But I found that pretty fun and interesting as well. You just imagine you're strafing back and forth in front of the enemy. And that's that's the direction that counts when they attack. You'll dodge out of the way, which is great. And as a result, you know, just going through the world, finding your way, learning to deal with these uh, scenarios. I had a fantastic time doing it. It was just in some of the boss battles with those like certain enemies. It's like when he appears in an area, you're like, how the heck am I going to do this? This is insane. Like, I can't believe they put this guy here and figuring out how to beat it was really fun. I thought so. I don't know. For me, I like the game, but. I can see why it doesn't appeal to everyone. And also it has those technical problems. So it's, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a tricky one, but if you have a PS five, uh, <laughs> I would say definitely check it out there. If you have an Xbox series X as well, like, and you don't mind the ray tracing stuff, then yeah, you can enjoy it at 60 FPS and it's pretty good there, but we'll have to wait and see on the other versions, I guess. Huh? Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, we could talk about this all day, I think. Yeah. But we should probably yeah. move on. We should probably move on. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's talk about the next news topic. Um, small discussion point this one, but this week, um, I've never seen anything quite like it before, but Nintendo <laughs> put out a statement saying that there's a patch for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet coming. Uh, the patch notes don't actually relate to anything according uh, that, that's going to change anything to performance, it seems. However... Um, there's this interesting comment at the bottom. We are aware that players may encounter issues that affect the game's performance. Our goal is always to give the players a positive experience with our games, and we apologize for the inconvenience. Actually, thinking about it, John, I think um, going all the way back to Breath of the Wild at the at the launch of the Switch, there might have been some comments in there about improving the game experience uh, via patches but they've never explicitly talked about performance that i'm aware of certainly you know last few years um but, but they are pointing it out here it's very uncommon and uncharacteristic of nintendo to specifically mention such issues uh, that's kind of the magic of Nintendo, if you will. And I think they've they've earned Nintendo itself, Nintendo's own internal studios have earned a really solid reputation for a reason. They're experts at targeting low end hardware, I'd say, and like getting exactly what they want out of it. They settle on the art design and they target a certain performance level and then they just usually nail it. And I think that's phenomenal. Game Freak is not Nintendo, but Nintendo has a huge stake in Pokemon. And I i mean, I can't imagine any of those internal Nintendo development teams just like looking at how this turned out and also kind of like wincing in disgust at the performance issues and the and the bugs and all that kind of like, wow, how, how, we shipped this like with the Nintendo name on it. That just seems seems wild. I mean, people love the game, but it's it's really bad technically and the fact that i think the fact that it is that bad is specifically the reason why nintendo actually took the time to comment on it i don't think we would have seen a comment if it wasn't quite like this and i think that supports what was said 
in our videos and my comments and every, you know, what people are saying about the game, I think it supports that notion that it really does have issues that could be solved. Hopefully, maybe we'll see. I guess that's the story, right? We don't know we don't at the know. moment, but the point that it being made is that Nintendo does seem to be taking it seriously and hopefully things will get better. I don't think there's too much more we can add to this at the moment until we actually see patches that do actually address performance. Uh, it seems that this one, the one that's upcoming or out now even, is just addressing some bugs that crept in. But fingers crossed we'll see things improve going forward. Let's quickly move on to the next news topic, though. Uh, so this one's close to your heart again, John. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a John. We're giving Alex some time off to, pro- to process Callisto <laughs> Protocol. I know, man. I'm sorry, bro. Um, yeah, basically, uh, Sonic Frontiers released a few weeks back. Um, you really like the game, but there was clearly some technical issues again that oh, yeah. need addressing. And, um, well, two things. First of all, uh, some good news. It launched on Series S with only a 30 FPS mode, which was uh, incongruous, I would say, at the time, because clearly Series S could do this game at 60. Um, that has now been addressed. There is a 60 FPS performance mode. Uh, but more to the point, some interesting work is being done by modders into addressing the technical shortcomings of the game, specifically the object draw distance, the range of you know objects, the, addressing the pop in there. Quite a lot to unpack here, right? Yeah, so from what I understand, the way this game works is that every individual actor or object in the world has a, a range in and out value that sort of defines when it appears within the camera view. And so they were, I guess, setting this per object. And that's why it was a fixed value across every platform, you know? So even on the PC, you couldn't improve it within the game's own options. Well, s- somebody seems to have found a way. Is is this Dia the Praj, I guess? That's maybe um, how you'd say it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's like death. The death approach yeah okay oh, death, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not good with these hacker aliases i'm sorry <laughs> i apologize yeah uh, he figured out a way to sort of multiply this value for the complete set of objects on Cronus island by three and a half 3.5 and boy does that seem to fix this issue it looks fantastic with this he posted a video showing this running with that issue solved with this this new fix and yeah, it basically does seem to eliminate most of the pop-in or drastically reduce it. Obviously, this is a PC thing, but this is kind of what I alluded to in the video that, gee, I hope the <laughs> the PC modding community can come up with a fix for this. And it seems that we're on our way towards that right now. So that's great news because Sonic did not suffer from shader compilation stutter. It actually ran completely fine. Uh, they're also working to uncap the frame rate because it was capped at 60, annoyingly, and there is work being done there as well. But this is a game that feels like the PC modding community is coming in and they're just going to clean up all the issues and we're going to have this like really nice, polished, perfected version of what I think is already a good game. So, yeah, uh, yeah there's, guys. The, there's blame <laughs> being laid at the Switch. Uh, yeah, I this, heard that. <laughs> this comment, again, from the same developer, the Switch set data has no difference between the range values compared to those on PC. So we can very much so assume that the Switch version of the game is, <laughs> that phrase, holding, holding back, back. <laughs> every other platform with how they had to optimize uh, object ranges for that. It's not an engine issue. So, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. we that's can file that under not great. 
<laughs> you know, th- this might be, uh, we don't know for sure, but based on this, this evidence, it does actually seem like this is one time where we can actually have an example of, yes, this game was held back by this hardware. Uh, and it's, <laughs> And it's not it has nothing to do with hardware performance or anything. It just seems like it was easier for the developers to set this value once for every platform and then not touch it, which is kind Apparently. of weird. But so weird. I, or to put it another way, it's too big for Switch. That's too yes, big for Switch. It clearly so, is too big for Switch. <laughs> so it had to be uh, downscaled <laughs> for range values. Gosh darn it! Zero. But, hey, I'm I'm happy to see this man. I because I, I like this game a lot. It's good. Yeah, it is kind of baffling, though, why there couldn't have been different range variables for each version. But, yeah. You know, I, what? <laughs> I don't understand. To me, that reeks of them wanting to, like, minimize potential issues during the, the testing process or during development. Like, if we just use a fixed value, it's easier for them, which I kind of maybe get. But Yeah, because ver- variable been... draw distance has never been done before. <laughs> I know. It's, for, for this engine... I don't think so. Yeah, it's true. I, this engine, I think, has always had fixed draw distance values on every platform every single time. So uh, good. It's uh, just that this is the first time they've done like these open world-ish environments, right? So it's extremely egregious in this case. I think the solution should have been, like, I don't know, fi- find a good, have a data set for every non-Switch platform and then have a specific set just for Switch. Like, don't drag everybody down into the mud because of the Switch. Well, again, it is kind of conjecture and theory, but it is you know, yes, that's true. It, mm-hmm. it the evidence is compelling, should we say? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay, um, let's move on to our final news topic. Uh, not so much news, but more trailer that we saw on IGN. John, every week I put a, a list together of topics uh, on the docket, and then we sort of just before recording decide whether we're going to talk about them or not. But this one. Um, it just says, I am <laughs> I am Jesus Christ, prologue. Um, and it's essentially a video on IGN, which is the first uh, 12 minutes of footage from I am Jesus Christ. I particularly, I mean, the, the headline and the, uh, the description of this video. I mean, we're, we're playing some of it now, uh, I assume. It's, um, yes, I am Jesus Christ, prologue, gameplay, and video RTX 1490 at 4K60. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the video description the I am uh, Jesus Christ prologue demo is here we got our first look at gameplay join Jesus as he tells his mother Mary about his search for John the Baptist captured on PC using a 4090 graphics card we set everything to the maximum settings as Jesus would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the problem is is that even at maximum settings it kind of looks worse than Assassin's Creed 1. Yeah, it's really weird-looking game. <laughs> well, it kind of looks like if Assassin's Creed 1 was, was running on the Origins engine and, right? and looks yeah. worse, <laughs> Yes, that's kind of what we're getting here, to the point where, hey, maybe we need to reskin Assassin's Creed 1 into a biblical Jesus game. Cause it's Jesus good. simulator <laughs> game. <laughs> Without really the, well, we'll leave the assassination, the murder, to the end. Obviously. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, spoilers. Spoilers. Yes, narrative spoilers there. (laughs) But I am intrigued by how this, you know, what do you do in I Am Jesus Christ, you know? It's, what, engine, to be- what engine is this? I wonder. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting it Unity not- vibes. Uh, What's that? I'm getting Unity vibes. Actually. Yeah, like it doesn't look Unreal for sure. 
Yeah. But it's probably Unity. It's not, not the I, Halo engine. Yeah, no. they, they uh, slip space for this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of game based upon everything I'm seeing in this trailer here where you talk with people and do stuff. I don't know. Okay, I'm just sort of ran- randomly cycling through the demo. There seems to be an angel giving a, a sermon. <laughs> so the, the thing that's catching my eye, actually, is when you're walking by certain structures, there's something about the world scale that feels off. Yes. Where with your camera perspective, Jesus feels like gigantic. Like he's running up to this arch and it looks like the camera's going to scrape up against the top of it. And his <laughs> head comes up to the top of every door frame. And you're like, what? Is he a giant? Or yeah, but... the, oh, like, like, what's going on here? I just scrolled to the end of the video and there's like mission waypoints and objectives. And it just says the coming of Jesus. And there's like a, like a giant exclamation point where you need to go. Because Jesus is coming. Just in, yeah, mysterious yes. ally. <laughs> Intriguing. I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. I'm not incredibly religious at all. In fact, I'm not religious. Yeah, so, yeah, trying to climb. But, 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 you know, it, it does, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cycling through the footage here and it does seem to be uh, sort of interspersing uh, scripture throughout. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. And obviously, well, IGN has, has IGN has set the bar here. It's got to be forty ninety at four K sixty, or else because <laughs> Jesus I, I, wants it. I actually see some some merit in this idea of like retelling stories from something like that, like the Bible or mm-hmm. you know another religious book. Like trying to make an you know interactive game based experience could be interesting if well done. Uh, I'm not sure if this is well done though. It's hard to say. No. It's really hard to say, but you know, it's at least it's in a long lineage of games like uh, what is it, Super Noah's Ark? John, yeah. Super, Super Noah's, Noah's Ark. Yeah, yeah the first-person shooter on the Super <laughs> NES. Wow, a number so of Bible I'm just, games. I was yeah. just cycling through some of the comments on uh, IGN video. Hope nobody spoils the ending. Sorry. <laughs> Too late. Uh, spoilers. Holy Jesus! This game looks heavenly. <laughs> Uh, this one is quite sinister. Can't wait to see what mods the community will make for this game. <laughs> the, I'll give them credit, though. By selecting this topic, they have successfully uh, become noticed by people. Right? Yeah, otherwise. Which no. discovery on Steam is a nightmare these days. No matter how good your game is, if you know small indies barely stand a chance on there, it's tough. So mm-hmm. just, you know, just with this topic, they've now have multiple places talking about it. So good job. <laughs> yeah. The, the comments just keep on giving. Uh, Black Jesus DLC. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Oh, no. Do it. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, yeah, obviously we're sort of veering swiftly into blasphemy here. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, we should probably wrap it up. But, yeah, certainly an interesting project. And, uh, I, yeah, it is strangely compelling. What can I say? That's it. That's it for the news <laughs> stories this week. Uh, we ended with a with a whopper, clearly. Uh, let's move <laughs> let's move on to supporter Q&A. This is the part of the show every week where supporters chime in with questions for the team. Uh, we can't answer all of them. We had like, something like 61 this week, uh, which wow. is sort of par for the course. But wow. I have selected a few here, which uh, I think are quite interesting. Um, first one from Eric Benoit. Uh, John's Twitter interactions with some Pokemon fans were quite entertaining a few weeks ago in regards to how poor the new Pokemon Pokemon game looks what switch games would you say look better than one might imagine possible on the switch 
Would you ever consider doing a video on it like the PS3 1080p60 video you did? Hmm. John. That's a that's a d- weird question to parse. What switch games yeah, would you essentially say what which which games would you say look better than the what you would Hardware expect? From yeah, the than what you would expect. Yeah. I mean, first one that springs to mind Xenoblade Chronicles 3 perhaps. Maybe, yeah. That's that's pretty darn impressive. No, I know Luigi's Mansion 3. Uh if you that thing is incredible looking like it's it's legit beautiful and i feel like that's a game you could just drop it on any other platform right now and it would still like look quite nice i would say so that's definitely at the top there uh metroid dread actually especially when playing it in portable mode on the oled switch it's you know 720p native so proper uh it targets the right pixel resolution of the screen it just looks so smooth and sharp 60 fps the art's so well done i mean it's it's genuinely shocking to see how good that game looks in motion i think uh that's that always impressed me i mean i would still go back to things like the switcher you know witcher 3 running on switch like it's not amazing looking compared to other versions but it's pretty darn impressive and i think Mm -hmm. that was saber interactive that did that who also did the crisis stuff which i would also argue the crisis games on switch are uh pretty stunning to behold because switch isn't exactly that much more capable than like an xbox 360 right uh but those games run a lot better than they did on 360 and they look a lot better too including with the uh sfogi even Mm -hmm. which is nuts so like hats off to those guys crytek and saber they did a good job there Mm -hmm. Um, yeah what any other games spring to mind, you guys? I mean, even though it isn't a Switch game, I do think Breath of the Wild is perhaps the best looking game on Switch for my money. Uh just uh just because I think the art style meshes really well with the, you know, general like it, it keeps within the low fidelity of what the the platform can do. Yeah. And it's originally not a Switch game, which is funny that I'm saying that. Um, but you know, I think it holds up incredibly well. Looking at Oliver's video when covering Pokemon. Him going back to that and showing that off was just like, wow, that and still looks really good. Along yeah. the same lines, the uh, Breath of the Wild has all those physics interactions and systems-driven gameplay. Like, the grass can catch on fire and spread, like Far Cry 2. You know, all these objects have actual physical properties. You can tumble down mountains and things have correct buoyancy. And there's just lots of different systems that all work together where things in the world behave as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And it's really surprisingly robust. It's so okay. That's definitely up there. Yeah, uh, the id tech games, obviously. Um, yeah. The thing is that I guess the problem with the question is what, what Switch games would you say look better than one might imagine? And we can imagine quite a lot, to quote Han Solo. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, it, and we have actually had our expectations exceeded, I think, by some of the ports that have been done there, which I think have been quite remarkable. But yeah, it's it's a shame we didn't get, that, get that we Gotham got Knights on the Switch. Yeah, what if? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think we should probably draw a line on that <laughs> one. Uh, next question from Mendo Shitaro. Given the success Valve has had with the Steam Deck and Proton, is the time right for them to have another crack at Steam machines, Alex? Uh, I guess I would say look at. So Steam Deck fulfilled uh, a niche. Uh, it was like. PC gaming is so great, but what if PC gaming was also portable and a little bit more intuitive? Uh, yeah, that's great. 
would steam machines fulfill another niche that is not currently filled elsewhere? And I'm not sure it really would, um, because it would require at least like to follow the Steam Deck model, like one base level of hardware, apparently, uh, for like the benefits of Steam Deck to come about. Like the reason why the games run they do is because it's all like kind of curated to a certain degree by Valve, making sure that they run a certain way. Um, and you know, like the entire interfaces as well too. It's all curated about that. The entire ability to sleep. You know, like things, it's all based upon like the design of the Steam Deck. I don't think they automatically translate over to a Steam machine necessarily. And I don't know if this is the time to do that. I think that has an interesting practical application though, if there could be like a PC, junior PC, you know, like PC junior, like your, your first starting PC could be a Steam machine where you don't really have to worry about um, drivers and issues because they're all sorted out by, you know, Valve HQ, who then just ships an update to your Steam machine. I kind of like that as an idea, but I don't know if there's really a place for that market. I say bring back the PC junior branding. Yeah, thank you. There thank you, you for PC junior. Yeah. <laughs> PC Junior. Um, I think the point is the strength of PC is the diversity of hardware, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be introducing steam machines, which in theory would actually be constricted specifications, kind mm -hmm. of goes against the philosophy of what PC gaming is about, in my opinion. And I actually think Steam Deck actually adds to the variety of, of um, PC because it's essentially trying to do something that hasn't been done before it's, it's right. trailblazing you know other products handheld pc gaming is now actually something that is considered viable with you know with, with decent results although i haven't played the callisto protocol on it yet yeah. um, i'm gonna load it up <laughs> so yeah i think the steam deck is something quite different to the concept of a steam machine and steam deck works and steam machines didn't i don't think they'd ever go back to trying it again to be honest mm -hmm. i do like the idea of you know basically you know the the pc junior concept you're coming up with uh, it, it's, it's, <laughs> thank you I'll, I'll take my check in the mail i guess at this point. it's intriguing but at the same time you know why not just have a steam yeah, deck right? which yeah. which also does the same job yeah. <laughs> uh let's go on to the next question hello df do you, uh, this one's from sebastian oberhoff mm. uh Hello, DF. Who do you think is going to be the next to take a crack at implementing UE5's nanites or virtualized geometry more generally? And do you think this will eventually become an industry standard? John, what do you think about this one? Intriguing question. Yeah, hmm. thinking about other developers that would potentially want to implement a system like this. I mean, I could see potentially the Frostbite rendering team taking a crack at this if they felt it was necessary. It's because they do create games that are often large scale using that engine where it would benefit from this. Um, that's a tricky one. I would have previously said CD Projekt Red, but uh, they've tossed away Red Engine, unfortunately. But that feels like that would have been something they would have invested in on their own. Um, but a lot of the other custom engines out there, like the types of games that like, you know, I think id Software could definitely do something like this that would be interesting and maybe they would, but for the types of games they make, I'm not sure that that's that important, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
it really just like unreal is obviously made to handle such a wide range of potential use cases. And this is one of the solutions to allow those ever increasing world sizes to shine. Oh, I guess, you know, I could see Ubisoft eventually implementing something like this because they're all about giant open worlds. And if they can find a way to (laughs) essentially improve the long distance view and the log train, well, basically hide log transitions and all that and smooth out the entire world that way, it feels like something they would be super into maybe. And they have huge engineering staff there. Right. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, Ubisoft is weird because they actually have multiple engines still. It's nuts that they still do. And they're all good in their own way. Yeah. I mean, I I think the one power, <laughs> I think my favorite Ubisoft engine is the, um, oh God, I just forgot the name of it. Snowdrop. Snowdrop. Snowdrop yeah. That's my favorite probably. And there's Dunia, which probably the least impressive, but it's still yeah, it's not I, bad. It does I, it right. I, I mean, I thought Far Cry 6 looked pretty good uh, when I covered it. It did look pretty good. Uh, this is an interesting question because I think there's other aspects of Nanite than the um, than this the you know like the automatic loading of geometry at a distance and handling subpixel geometry. That's like one part of it, but then there's this other part about basically about uh, how you kind of call on the GPU with this visibility buffer thing, and I think a lot of other developers are going to be uh, utilizing similar systems to that. It's actually a pretty old idea, uh, but it was just used as a core feature of Nanite to make it work. Uh, And I think we've already seen a little bit of it in how they do um, foliage in Horizon Forbidden West uses a similar concept to that, interestingly enough, but it's not obviously the, not the automatic no, no. LOD thing. No, no. Um, but I would, I would actually like to see other developers take a stab at it because as we've seen in the past, that this is like an area that's probably ripe for uh, ingenuity because it's a new frontier. So it's yeah. like, oh, we're just avoiding the hardware rasterizer and we're doing something else. And maybe there's actually going to be better systems than Nanite or things that, that do things more specific that Nanite doesn't cover at the moment. Uh, so I, w- I definitely hope more people go in that direction, actually, just because it's very interesting. That's a good point, Alex. When you throw more talent and heads at a problem, you get more interesting solutions, and that can yeah. potentially solve some of its uh, shortcomings. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Well, that's essentially what um, Epic has done. That's why Unreal Engine 5 exists, because oh, yeah. this brain trust that they've got is huge. Is huge, and it's actually probably one of the reasons why so many people are transitioning, because copying what they've done, uh, producing a similar technology is is not a trifling matter. No, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, interesting question though. I'm sure there will be other engines that follow suit, but uh, where are they? We haven't seen any yet. Um, next question. This one from Tyler Dodge. Hey, DF, big fan of the content and just become a patron. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my question yeah, is, thanks. why do some games physics break when you increase the frame rate? For example, Okami's developers say the game can't run above 30 FPS without breaking the game's physics. Similarly, if you try to run Far Cry 2 at 120 FPS, yes. the, the non-playable oh, yeah. characters they jump up start, and down. start floating in midair. What gives? What gives, Alex? Um, I think this is just, um, the, well, there's, if you're trying to make a balanced system, there, there's like, just let's pretend you're a game developer and you don't care about systemic 
you know, stuff in your games. It doesn't need, everything doesn't need to be done. If you just want a controlled system with controlled values, fixed values at a fixed frame rate actually does make sense, especially if you're developing for one platform where you know what the frame rate target's gonna be. Um, and that's kind of where it is. It's, it's like a legacy thing at that point. It's mm -hmm. like you're targeting something. Another reason why you'd want to do this is because if you're using floating point values and you're targeting multiple bits of hardware, or you know, floating point is you know has issues or something like that. You could actually have issues where, um, like, when you try and make what is the term? It's not. It's what. It's not reproducibility. Uh, deterministic. Like, if you want something to be actually be completely deterministic, tying things to frame rate and knowing you're hitting the frame rate and having fixed integer values actually helps. <laughs> there's like there's there's always this big fight about physics engines about whether they're deterministic or not, mm -hmm. uh, for example, and that's one thing uh, that this can help if you're just using fixed values and whatever. I honestly don't know why it's done nowadays though. Most of the time, like ninety nine percent of the time, when I ever see issues with it, I just always go like, God. <laughs> I think the most recent one that I got tagged in. Uh, just to consider, we just talked about Red Engine, is that apparently, if you don't use Hairworks hair in uh, The Witcher 3, the hair physics is different at 30 versus any other frame rate. Um, oh. Yeah, like it bobs up and down more versus at other frame rates, which we've kind of seen, I think, in Final Fantasy V. Didn't, didn't you have it in Horizon? Oh, yeah, Final Fantasy XV, I mean, sorry. Yeah, and oh, yeah, it's also, it was in Horizon Zero Dawn at launch. It was definitely there at launch. It was really... Maybe it's still also in there. I can't remember. Oh, that this is also true of Sonic Frontiers, by the way, on the PC. Oh yeah, and that's why the modders are working on it. If you increase the frame rate above sixty, a lot of things just misbehave. Mm. Like events don't trigger right. You know, boss battles can become unwinnable. Like oh just no, stuff sort of falls apart, and they're trying to sleuth out the reasons for it. That's, that's interesting. Be hard. This, this problem, though, this is actually the root of all the woes that Richard had to face back in the day with PAL, <laughs> 50 hertz consoles. Right. And yeah. back then, though, there were actually legitimate reasons because, you know, you're working with much less capable hardware. You can't do big floating point numbers and all kinds of crazy mathematic operations. It has to be hard coded and like done in such a low amount of space you know, you got to minimize the number of bytes you're using just to do these characters and you can only perform certain operations at a certain speed. And, you know, usually between like when the frame finishes drawing and it starts drawing the next frame, you have a few cycles to perform some arithmetic there. Uh, I've spoken with some developers that have done 50 slash 60 hertz versions of like Mega Drive games and like it's actually really pretty complex you can't, it's it's not easy back then. And that's why I think a lot of games that were developed at 60 hertz, when they came over to power regions, they just run slow because, mm. uh, you know, that's, yeah, they would have had to go right back into the source code and make a ton of math changes to make it actually work correctly at 50 hertz. But these days, like you say, it's less reasonable, I'd say. But before we move on, why do the NPCs in Far Cry 2 start floating in midair? Why? Ideas? I, I don't know why, but it's it's really obvious just in the drive up in the first game. Because, you know, in Far Cry 2, you, <laughs> oh, start yeah. at, you start at the Jeep. And if you look to the left and right when those first militants <laughs> stop you, instead of <laughs> instead of them like stopping with the car, they're all going like bobbing up and down in midair. It's absolutely hilarious. And it's only above 60 FPS. So that's weirdly enough one of those games from that era, which is kind of rare. 
on PC actually from that era where okay. a PC focused game can't be above 60 reasonably. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. Uh, this one from um, Big Boss 69. I'm All just right. Say it again. Why not 68, 70? Yeah. What's up? What's, what's yeah. going on there? Uh, do you guys think Nvidia would stoop as low as to offer technologies <laughs> such as DLSS3 as paid subscription services in the future? Hmm. Well, yeah, there's this an interesting question. Obviously, this would be this would be a case of stooping low, I think. It'd be so very, bad. Very so be, bad. Yeah. There's there's kind of like a re-architecting of uh, uh, price points in the PC graphics space at the moment that really isn't great, but this would be on another level completely. Um, I don't know. Alex? Uh, I, uh, I, I can't imagine it now, given the market forces at play and the incentive uh, would be there has to be someone gullible enough to buy it. And <laughs> well, you know, Nvidia do have a subscription service. It's called GeForce Now Cloud Streaming, which I think yeah, is right? fair enough. Um, but you know, actually locking features behind a subscription. I mean, we've seen there was a, a thing this week or last week even about Mercedes. Yes. Uh, and I think BMW are doing it yeah, as well, yeah. sub subscribing to gain access to features on the car that are already there. Uh, that's that's not great. I don't think they would stoop so low, but you know, who knows what's what's going to happen. This would be a really bad idea, and there are far better ways to do it. Uh, I think there is actually uh, something, you know, a kind of. I'm not into subscribe uh, subscription features for hardware. I'm okay with hardware unlocks. So let's say you've got, you could un, you know you could pay I don't know you know x amount of dollars to unlock more of the CUDA cores on your GPU. It would be a one-time purchase. Uh, possibly that that would be okay. Um, but beyond that, I think we're on super, super dodgy ground there. And I hope to God we don't see it. The, pro the problem being that paid subscription services are on the up, right? And um, I think the key point, though, is that all of them have to offer value. And, um, and you know, you can't offer value in a way that actually is actually about subtracting value for most users. Mm -hmm. uh, it just I, I feel like the big elephant in the room here would be how do you even get would developers want to implement this anymore at that point? How would you implement it in a way where you have a paid feature that you supposedly have to pay NVIDIA for, but then it's implemented into somebody else's game? Do they get a cut as well of this? Like what yeah. incentive do they have to even do that? Like it's it just clean. feels like this would just be such a huge mess when in reality, what they're doing is they're basically these features are effectively locked behind hardware. And mm -hmm. it's usually because the new hardware has new features that make it not possible to use on older cards. But you know, the whole point is they want to sell cards and these new features come out and it's like, Hey, we have this new feature, go buy this card so you can use it uh, to then lock it again behind a second door would be insane. I don't, be I don't be think so anyone bad. would want to do this. Yeah, I was going to say this could be the Kelvin timeline of PC gaming, but having yeah. seen Jesus. Callisto Protocol... Well, yeah. Maybe uh, they, they could sell a stutter-free... They it's... could sell you a shader cache for your machine... <laughs> It's like yeah. spend ten bucks and we'll uh, pre-cash everything. We're going, we're going to, back to your the hardware. Shader. Going back to the shader butler though, uh, uh, yeah. which is which is the only solution to the problem at the moment, which is kind That's of right. nuts. Uh, let's move on to the next and final question from Who the hell am I? If you were Phil <laughs> Spencer and could make the decision to bring back an inactive Activision Ooh. Blizzard IP, 
Which would it be and why? John? Ooh. Okay, I have a few ideas. You do? First, so Interstate 76. Remember that one? That was yes. good. Uh, they tried to do Interstate 82. Wasn't as good. I want to see Interstate 99, where it's like, you know, Future? it's the same concept. You know, modern game, though, but it's set in 1999. Oh. You know, I feel like that that would be a very fun take on that idea and i would be all over that i you know i don't think it's ever going to happen but it's something <laughs> i'd like to see i'd mm. also like to see the return of hyperblade what's hyperblade john hyperblade was an early windows 95 pc game uh that had it was essentially like futuristic hockey set in a metallic half pipe uh, and it supported a lot of 3D accelerator cards at the time. And man, it was fun. Fun as up. heck. I loved Hyperblade on the PC. And with the success of uh, Roller Drome, which is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, Hyperblade could totally work today. And then two more. Uh, I've always said I, I like Hexen a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the Hexen IP, the concept of what Hexen offers could be done really well today i mean we kind of got this with i would say a medieval which is but that's more like a heretic game than a hexen game i would argue yes in terms of its inspiration but really hexen bringing back this idea it's first person shooter ish style game but you have like effectively like individual hub worlds that you're exploring slowly uncovering the paths like that sounds very satisfying to me and the themes are awesome i would like that uh final one pitfall to mine adventure it's like specifically the mine adventure i freaking love that game i want to see a new take on that and done every pitfall game they attempted to make after the mine adventure i thought was terrible uh so so just do the mine adventure then just do the mine adventure and do like a proper (laughs) file follow-up to it but make it like i don't know like the the aztec adventure i don't know something else (laughs) okay um any thoughts on this one alex because uh, John already mentioned Hexen, but I think uh, someone could probably do Soldier Fortune really oh, well yeah. these days. Uh, it, like, I don't know how many gritty first-person shooters, single-player campaigns there are anymore. Because um, a lot of it is all very multiplayer-focused. And I like single-player uh, first-person shooter games. Uh, also, one thing, I think this is an Activision joint, John. Correct me if I'm wrong, is Jedi Knight. Isn't that Activision? That would be LucasArts, wouldn't it? I think Activision. Yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know if they've got the IP there because it's Star Wars and it's so confusing. Um, but I, I really do think that was Activision. And if not, I mean Jedi. Like I would love a real no, single that, players. That was still LucasArts, but I think Who the published reason, it. But it's because it, they published it. But, okay. Um, it's but they don't a have the right software game, which Activision now owns. Oh, so. Well, that so sucks. I, it's a little, it's a, it's a weird one. But oh, okay, well then, if not that, well then, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just stick with John's classic answer of then Hexen because yeah, we need a. I do like the idea. So like we already got with the medieval like this heretic more Doom style of game where it's like going through an area, but like I would like a game with like really cryptic environments <laughs> and uh, multiple classes to play through, perhaps in co-op. Uh, like just like cryptic puzzle solving and bashing, you know, sword and sorcery monsters. That sounds like a lot of fun. Ooh, ooh I have another idea. 
return to Zork, except for you replace the T-O in to Zork with the numeral two, return to oh, Zork, that- and you bring back Zork again. Uh, obviously, return to Zork was already, you know, based on those original text adventures, but the Zork IP is like, it's it's ready. It needs to come back. It can become like the new Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's time. Uh, anyway. Geometry Wars, obviously, is a lock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I forgot about that. Why, why we have no new Geometry Wars. It's a, it's a sad thing. But, you know, I've been just looking at this list of IPs. Kind of reminds me that Activision did do games in the past where, um, you know, it was experimental. There was some interesting stuff there. And even um, their takes on first-person shooters had a nice twist, like Singularity. Oh, that's a great Yeah, one. right? Yeah. So, you know, I'd just like to see a return to um, uh, a bit more of an experimental Activision as opposed to just the Call of Duty machine. Nice Activision. Mm. It's, it's not a dormant IP, but I want to see a MechWarrior game that's designed in the spirit of MechWarrior 2 specifically. Because I feel mm-hmm. like the, the sequels never quite matched that. There's just something off about them. I agree and, with that. Yeah. Are they doing anything with StarCraft? It is Activision Blizzard, after all. Oh, just uh, seems kind of weird. They did a remastered thing, right? Yeah, they, they re- that's been a while, though. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know if they've said anything about that. It's also kind of like how basic Warcraft is also kind of dormant, right? Like, when's the last yeah. time there's been a real-time strategy Warcraft game? How about well, Warcraft versus StarCraft? The game. Warcraft versus StarCraft, the game. <laughs> they they wow. can do it. Terrans I mean, versus orcs. and Wait, that's already orcs and humans. Oh, <laughs> uh, I know. Protoss versus Protoss orcs. Protoss versus orcs. Yeah. That'd be great. Do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll send these notes on to Phil. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, Post I'm like, the, the question says, if you were Phil Spencer, unfortunately, oh, this is like, true. None, of, none of us are. None of us are sadly spilled. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's the end of the show. And uh, yeah, if you did enjoy it, please do like, subscribe, share, ring the bell for those notionally instant notifications. Uh, no guarantees, as usual. That is my disclaimer. Um, yeah, DF supporter program. Get involved. Get involved in um, DF Direct Weekly, just like all of these people have. And uh, yes, obviously, it is a weekly show. We shall be back next week. But in the meantime, thanks for watching. <laughs>